I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome into the Hoist the Colors podcast. It is our weekly chat on East Carolina baseball. It is Hoist the Colors after dark. We've already got comments from Skull Pirate and Bruce Willis, so it might be a wild night. I am joined by Scott Lorbacher. We're, we're playing a man hurt, Scott, because Jonathan Wagner, his Wi-Fi is not working. He is joining us in the comments section, uh, but, uh, you know, just a two-man crew tonight. We're going to have to find a way to to get through this one short-staffed. Yeah, you know, Wagner didn't want to sacrifice and drive to a McDonald's and sit in the lobby and talk ECU baseball with us, I guess. Yeah, that's disappointing, Wags. I thought you were dedicated. Uh, but, hey, we appreciate your, your support each weekend. We got a lot to talk about, guys. We got new powder purple uniforms, which we'll get to, as always. Subscribe to our YouTube page. Uh, give us a like on Facebook. Give us a like on our video on YouTube if you're watching the live stream because every like we get is going to help out as far as viewership, getting our name out there. We're continuing to grow the audience each week. Uh, comment. Leave a question. We'll get to it. Uh, we usually go about an hour or so. Maybe we'll go you know, a little bit longer if we get some more questions or whatnot. But, uh, Scott, a lot to discuss, man. We'll start with the play on the field because I know we'll get plenty of uniform talks. Uh, we'll, we'll take a look at the week ahead shortly. But a two-and-two two week, it was just kind of a an up-and-down week for East Carolina, alternating wins and losses, uh, the tough game at Duke, and then two-and-one in the Keep of Claire Classic. Before we kind of dive into maybe some of the individual games – how would you kind of sum up this this week as you look back on it? Yeah, just a lot of highs and lows this week. You know, I think that game in Durham, um, what could have been a really fun game, just never really panned out for us and got away. Um, and then to respond against an Indiana team that has wins over Auburn and Texas was was impressive. And then just a really well, you know, a good college baseball game on Saturday against a good opponent. Um, and I think that gets lost on people sometimes is that, you know, 10, 15 years ago, we were a program a lot like uh, a Long Beach State or a Campbell. And some of these teams that we've lost to this year, 
and people just see the name and they're like, okay, that's not Oklahoma State or it's not Texas. We shouldn't lose to them. But if you look at the players that Long Beach State has turned out, they're they're a legitimate program. And then a great game again on Sunday that was capped off by a huge inning right at the end. Scott, let's, we're already – comment section are blowing up. Is Skull Pirate is back. Yeah. Uh, man, uh, thanks for joining us, Skull. He says, interesting we can get a peat purple uniform but not a normal gray uniform. All right, we're saving the uniform discussion because it's, it's going to happen and we're going to have a long discussion. Uh, we got to talk some actual baseball first. Let's go back to Tuesday. Myself, yourself, Jonathan Wagner, we were all in uh, Durham Bulls Athletic Park. We thought we were going to see a good game, and it, it just didn't materialize on ECU's end as they end up falling 9 to nothing. Only the second time in the last 24 meetings against the Duke Blue Devils in baseball that they've lost. And Cliff Goblin kind of made the comment later in the week that maybe the team was a little too comfortable knowing the past success versus Duke. But when you kind of look back at that game as we saw it unfold in person, it just never seemed like it was going to be ECU's day. Yeah, there's a, a thing that the Cincinnati Reds do. Um, it's called Walks Will Haunt. And in that, um, was it the fifth or the sixth inning that they scored eight? But yeah. that's, that's what it was. I mean, it was walks and free base runners and pass balls. And then, you know, a ball got over the fence for a grand slam. So it's kind of similar to what happened to Georgetown um, yesterday. So. You know, it's one of those things where you don't want to say that's baseball, but sometimes it is hard to come off of two really, really high-level, high-energy games and play in a place that when their team ran out on the field, there were no sounds. It was just quiet. Like, they ran out in the field, and there was, like, no one clapped, no one cheered. It was just – You could hear the footsteps. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was eerie in that stadium at 4 o'clock when they ran out in the field to nothing. And, and I feel bad for the Duke program that they don't get the support that some of the other schools do um, in the state because they're, they are a legitimate program, and that shouldn't be lost on people either. Yeah, Duke's a great program. Talked to Eric Tyler, former ECU uh, standout third baseman after the game, and you know had a good conversation with him. It was a big win for them, and you know they were ready to go. ECU was not, and, and for those who aren't there, the, for those who couldn't see on the worst stream of all time in 2023, um, the shadows make that place a very difficult place to hit at that time of day. Uh, the shadow is kind of like right on top of the mound for the first four, three, four innings, and it's probably tough to pick up the ball. And the problem is ECU gave up so many free base runners that Duke only needed one or two big hits, and they got that. Uh, along with the help of a free home run off the, the glove of Luke Nowak. But it was just kind of one of those games where if you walk too many guys and you give up one big hit, you're not going to win, and that's exactly what happened. So, yeah, disappointing day. ECU does bounce back in a big way Friday, Scott, against Indiana, probably the most complete game of the year, just a 17-4 to thrashing of the Hoosiers. And Trey Savage, he kind of set the tone for the weekend from a starting pitching perspective, was phenomenal, I thought, as far as just pounding the zone, strikeout, swing and miss stuff. I think he had 26 total swings and misses, and he's starting to look more and more like a Friday night guy. Yeah, you know, uh, last year he was 95, two pitches, 
Um, and this year he's 93 to 96. And he, I think he was still hitting 96 in the sixth inning. I mean, just a, a complete pitcher now. The splitter has been such a game changer to, for him where he can work that off of his fastball. Um, his breaking ball is good. I don't know that it's as good as his splitter is. And I don't, I don't think it's as good as his cutter is. I think his, his best three pitches are his fastball, cutter, and splitter. Um, and then he has the breaking ball as just something, a, a change of pace. But he looks like a legitimate Friday night guy for a top 10, 15 team. And I don't see that changing anytime soon. Yeah, last year it was fastball, curveball. And his curve is like almost on a different pitch plane, I feel like. And he pitches now off his fastball with the, the, the split, obviously, and the cutter. And I just feel like it makes him such a better pitcher. He can command those other pitches better than the curve. The curve can kind of spike at times. It's still a nasty pitch, and he can go through it if he needs to. But I feel like it's it's just it's made him a better all around pitcher for sure. And were you surprised at all, Scott, that they pushed him uh, as much as they did? And some of it was due to the strikeout wild pitch in that sixth inning. But still, 111 pitches is a lot this early in the season. Yeah, I was a little surprised. I thought. Actually, after the um, the strikeout wild pitch, that that might have actually ended his day. I'm glad it didn't. I think that there is a sense of accomplishment of ending an inning um, in your outing and coming off the field with the rest of your teammates as opposed to being taken out of the game. Um, but I, so I am a little surprised, not not completely surprised, but I, but I am glad they did it. Yeah, the offensive star in that game, there were plenty, was Jacob Starlin. He had the three-run homer and then the three-run double. And, I mean, what more can you say about this guy at this point? He's just – obviously, the home run was to the pool side, but then he gets the home run uh, or the double to straightaway center, burning the center fielder. As we've talked about, using the whole field, Scott, it's just – you know, he never seems – like last year, he seemed a little – trying to do too much at times. And now in the box this year, he's so much more comfortable letting the ball travel. It's just, it's just night and day, his approach. Yeah. I think this is sometimes it's lost on people how much playing every day matters to some people. Um, I think Starling's a guy that now that he's in the lineup every day, he knows that he's going to be batting in the four hole. He's going to be playing second base that he feels a lot more comfortable at the plate and he can, um, he can take, pitches him, hit him anywhere he wants. And he had two more extra base hits this inning. Uh, or sorry, this weekend. Um, just He's as complete a hitter as we've had since probably Connor Norby, which obviously wasn't that long ago, but that's who he really reminds me of. Speaking of that, Paul McRae says on Facebook, Star reminded me of another stud, Pirate second baseman. Yeah, the, the short swing. Uh, ability to cover when he's hitting all sides of the plate or all sides of the field, he can cover all parts of the plate. Uh, I think he's even got maybe a better eye, more patience than uh, Norby did. So I, I think, man, he's just turned into a complete hitter uh, for sure. Uh, <laughs> Skull Pirate says, Scott brought out his notes. going to be a long night. Bruce Willis responds with probably shorter than your comments. Well done, Bruce Willis. Uh, I have a feeling that Bruce Willis is uh, – what was the lady's name? Lucy name? Jones. Yeah, Lucy Jones has transformed into Bruce Willis. Who will uh, she, he be next week? Uh, you never know. As <laughs> he drops a, your mom uh, comment. 
Uh, so we get to Saturday, Scott, and, and I'll take the blame for this one. I tweeted it out. I'm now 0-4 since, I believe, 2018 in games I've attended as a fan. And to give a quick rundown, not that anybody cares, but 2018, uh, I believe, was when Wichita State had Alec Bohm. He hit two two home runs that game. On my birthday, uh, ECU got humiliated. They did win the series after I returned to my seat in the press box. Uh, 2020 against Ole Miss, Keith LeClaire Classic. That was a phenomenal game. Uh, Pirates come up short. Last year against NC State, again on my birthday, uh, Pirates get shut out at home. And then this year uh, they lose to Long Beach State 3-2. and two. So I'm now 0-4 going to the game in a non-working capacity. So I'm going to stop that for the time being. Uh, but just, a, you know, it wasn't a bad baseball game at all. You, you talked about it. The only bad thing for ECU was – the errors and the lack of timely hitting. I mean, they had their chances. And, you know, credit Long Beach State, man, for coming across the country and sweeping the Keith LeClaire Classic. I mean, that's got to be one of the most impressive performances of the college baseball weekend period. Oh, for sure. And it doesn't get any easier for them. They uh, play at UCLA tomorrow. So that's a game I'll probably um, check out as well. But, yeah, I mean, they reminded me a lot of us early in Cliff's tenure. You know, they were – they were bunting, they were putting guys in motion, and they were working us hard. Um, you know, I don't I don't know that we knew this coming in, but their catcher was um, – I believe their coach said he was the best defensive catcher that he had seen or something like that. But he was really good. And, um, you know, I think it's lost on some people where we couldn't get the uh, run game going just because of how good their catcher was. And on the other side, you know, the air by Spivey set up a run. We had a pass ball that went through Wilcoxon's legs and then another one that, quite frankly, he should catch 100 out of 100 times. Um, and I do wonder with that, have we played him too much without any rest? Um, and, you know, could we have gotten him out of the game earlier on Friday so that he was fresher for the game on Saturday? Because that game was very much a game of inches. A lot of their hits were soft. Um, Spivey did, really, he did a really great job pitching to contact and in years past with an ECU defense, that's something that you could do and do well. But this year so far, we haven't lived up to what we expect out of our team defensively. Yeah. I, I do want to talk about the, the defense later. Cause I do think there are, you know, still maybe a few concerns there. I do think this team has a chance to pitch better than any team we've seen. And, and offensively, I think they will be okay. We'll talk about those things in a bit. Um, let's talk about the base running, the hit and run. You know, everybody I think has heard by now the uh, uh, some of the, the Cliff Godwin quotes after the game. I, again, I wasn't there, but um, you know, what was it? A three-two game in the eighth, two-one count on Hoover. And to Cliff Godwin's defense, the the pitcher was pumping strikes. It's a hitter's count. If you're going to do a hit and run with a contact hitter. You know, that would be the spot to do it. It just so happened that ball three sails high, Hoover. And, again, it's not Lane Hoover's fault. He's trying to execute the play. He swings at a ball over his head, tries to tomahawk it, gets some sort of comment or contact, misses. And then, obviously, the base runner, uh, Riley Johnson, was thrown out easily at second base. Couldn't even slide because it wasn't even a close play. So, that just killed the momentum. Um you know, obviously the seventh inning, I think Nowak was caught stealing. So just kind of a frustrating game 
in that respect. But, you know, we've come to see this. You know, Cliff Godwin not afraid to push the envelope. It works a lot of the time. Some of the time it doesn't, and he'll get criticized. So, you know, I, I think he said it best after the game. You can second-guess it. His, it's his call. Uh, you know, hey, I was second-guessing it. That's what we do. That's what fans do. And it didn't work out. And if it would have worked out, we'd be talking about how much of a genius he is. But obviously a critical moment there that, that played a played a role in the game. Right. And I think so that play doesn't work out, but uh, then the next batter comes up and hits a deep fly ball to center field, right? So if that's a fastball down the middle, Hoover gets a bat on it. Um, we could have we could have had a guy at third, one out, and then that's a sack fly that ties the game up. But it didn't work out that way. But the intent was there, and it made a lot of sense. Uh, I mean, it looked so much worse than what it actually was because of where the pitch was, and um, the the result looked a lot worse than the idea, I think. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, the casual baseball fan looks at that play and is like, you know, why are we getting a guy thrown out by 10 feet? Why is the, the batter – swinging at a pitch over his head. Well, that's not, you know, what it was designed to do. The pitch, you know, theoretically, you, you kind of hurt yourself when the pitch is a bad one uh, because you're putting the game in motion. That's the risky run when you push the envelope, and that's just, you know, that's just how it is. It was a bad break for ECU, and it's why they should have capitalized uh, in the fifth inning when they had bases full, nobody out, and couldn't get the job done as they needed to. Um, Zach Root pitched well that game, kept ECU in it. Uh, but he was kind of overshadowed due to the loss. Sunday, a little tighter of a game than some expected, but I did also did not expect the Georgetown starting pitcher to come out throwing 97 miles per hour. I was like, what the hell is going on here? Uh, this team gave up 12 runs in the first inning of the weekend, Scott. This dude comes out throwing 97 with a 78-mile-an-hour curveball. So um, ECU kind of hung around, got him out of the game, and then – blew it open late, but it was a, it was a tight one for a while. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think one of the things about playing an event like this with the teams that we played it against is we're going to get everyone's best shot. Um, I think we got Indiana's best pitcher. I think we got Long Beach's best pitcher. And I think we got Georgetown's best pitcher, unless they have somebody else that just throws 105 or something like that tucked away. But, um, you know, there's, Two sides to that. Um, one, we get to see more elite pitching earlier in the season, um, which I think is a good thing. Uh, and then the other side is if you face three Friday night caliber guys, the chances of you going two and one are more likely than if you face a team over a weekend and play their Friday, Saturday, Sunday guy. Um, you know, I don't look at this week as as, as negative as maybe some other people do. Um, I think we got to see a lot of really good pitching. And quite frankly, in our conference, we're not going to see that every weekend. So, you know, yeah, we went two and one, but we went two and one basically against three Friday guys. So take that for what it's worth, too. Yeah, two and one. And I guess the Duke result ends up, you know, mar if you can say marring the week at all as far as putting a – a black mark. ECU did drop from nine to twelve. You know, we kind of talked earlier over text. It feels like ECU is punished a little much there, especially considering they just won two games against North Carolina, which is ranked fourteenth uh, now in the poll. So, 
I don't know. I mean, it just feels like at times the ECU gets punished for these results, whereas other teams do not. And then somehow they rose in Baseball America by four <laughs> spots because nothing makes sense in college baseball polls. Yeah, I think Baseball America still really only looks at the weekend. Um, now that D1 has a more complete staff, I think they do really look at every contest that these teams that are either in the top 25 or around the top 25 play. Um, you know, so that Duke loss definitely hurt more than maybe it would have three or four years ago when they would have looked and said, oh, well, they went two and one on the weekend. Don't, don't move them. Which I think Louisville was going to jump. They were going to jump us no matter what. Um, because like we talked about earlier today, uh, you know, they get credit for beating TCU and Texas A&M, I think is who it was, or maybe it was Vanderbilt. But And that credit is somehow more valuable than going to UNC and winning is beating these teams on a neutral side. I, I don't fully get behind that logic, but I think they're also 10-1. and one, So, you know, it is what it is. Um, the other thing I'll say is the long season. We're still in the top 12. Um, the chances of all of the teams in front of us being as good as they're projected are pretty slim. Um, you look at Arkansas, they've had a bunch of injuries. Um, Wake Forest actually has to play a um, Division One team this weekend, so that'll be interesting to see. Um, yeah, so, I mean, there's a lot of – there will be opportunities for us to move forward, um, and we're – we have one weekend loss on the season. That's the other thing I'll say is keep that in mind, too. All right, let's get into some of these questions. We'll circle back and talk about some of the more um, headlines from the weekend. I want to talk about Josh Gross. Uh, it was phenomenal on Sunday with five no-hit innings. But uh, we'll first start with John Monroe, who just says the comment, a very – or a lefty-heavy lineup, question mark. So – after Saturday's game, um, Patrick Mason from the Daily Reflector asked Cliff Godwin about the lefty-heavy lineup. And, and, look, Patrick and I, we sit beside each other in the press box. Patrick's a great dude, and we've we've talked about this all year. So it wasn't just a win or loss thing. And You know, look, I, I love Cliff. He's emotional after a game, especially if they lose. I don't blame either side for, you know, getting – I don't know, into it a little bit. I, I, I commend Patrick for standing up for himself and saying, you know, maybe he would have asked it after a win as well because I do think he he's he's a baseball guy. You know, he's not trying to start anything. He's just trying to ask a baseball question. And, look, I mean, at the end of the day, Scott, ECU, in the vast majority of their games this year, they have eight starters in the lineup hitting left-handed. And you can look at pro baseball, college baseball, that's just not normal. So I do think it is it's something we've talked about. I asked about a media day. Um, that's going to be what this team is. It doesn't mean they can't get to Omaha. It's just I do think it is a storyline because Long Beach State went lefty, lefty, lefty until the guy got hurt and they brought in a righty, but I don't think they really ever intended to do that. So this is just something that we're going to keep an eye on all year, and I think it is a valid uh, – I don't want to say concern, but I do think it is a valid thing that to watch and to keep note of. Yeah, it's definitely a legitimate question. Um, like you said, we had eight in our starting lineup for a long time there. Um, but if you look at it, you know, I don't think that was ever the intention. Um, AMAC, we thought he would be able to switch hit, and he can't this year. Barini switch hit in years past and is not this year. So we really we went from two AU to 
um, switch hitter you last year. We had a bunch of switch hitters, and now we're just lefty you, I guess. But um, oh, uh, Bruce Willis is telling me to pay attention. Um, or he's telling somebody to pay attention. But yeah, so I mean, um, is it a concern? Yes. Um, I think if you have, you know, dominant lefty pitching, which we could face in the postseason, um, it's more of a concern than it has been so far this year. Um, even this weekend, the longest outing against us by a starter was four and a third innings. Um, I mean, they were four and a third good innings, but we were still able to chase a really good lefty out of the game in less than half of the game. So it is a concern. Um well, it's something to keep in mind more than it is a concern to this point, and we'll see how it plays out over the next couple of weeks and, and see how much of a concern it really is. All right, Jonathan Wagner, who usually joins us uh, in person or via Zoom in person, whatever the hell you call it, uh, he is, uh, he's got Wi-Fi issues, so he's joining via hotspot. He may not even be here any longer. He dropped this comment about 20 minutes ago. Uh, dropping this in before my hotspot dies on me, he says, is it worth Luke Nowak's, uh, Nowak's questionable defense to keep someone like Cam Clonch at DH? I mean, I think this is a great question. We talked about it in the preseason, Scott. You know, Luke Nowak, great speed, but from what I saw in scrimmages defensively, he just was not consistent yet, and we've seen that play out in games. You know, I do think he can get there. He's still very young. But uh, right now, defensively, that is a concern until he proves he can go out there and catch every fly ball or make the plays, the routine plays. And so it's tough to say. You know, I, I think it makes you a lot more dynamic offensively if J.C.'s in center, Noak's in, in, in right, and, you know, Clonch or whoever's at D.H., but – if you're if you're gonna have a low scoring game, or if you kind of project a lower scoring game, I don't know if you can roll out that lineup and and count on it defensively right now. Yeah, uh, Noah reminds me of uh, my putting ability is is good speed can't read right. So yeah, I, I don't know if it doesn't improve. I don't know how you can keep throwing him out there. I think it's doing a disservice to him to put him out there in a position where he's not going to be successful. Um, it hasn't affected his bat yet, but I do think that if he goes out there and continues to make errors, then he starts to press, and then that affects him at the plate. Um, and then you have a guy at third base currently that is a pretty good outfielder in his own right that I think could handle himself in right field. Um, so if you did move AMAC to right, and you have Dixon Williams, who I think is is going to be a really good player here. You could play him at third. You would lose Clonch's bat at that point, but you could DH Nowak. Uh, Nowak. Um, yeah, I, it's. I'd rather him make the errors now. Um, that's one thing I will say. Um, and you never know when it clicks. Um, it doesn't. You know, for some people, it doesn't click overnight. Doesn't click in a week. But I, I would say by the time we get to conference play. If it's not clicked in, then I think that's when you got to start really considering making a change. Yeah, I mean, we have to remember this guy is playing college baseball for the first time. He, he was in the program last year, but he didn't play any defense. Then he got injured in the fall, missed the fall. So he, he's playing catch up. He hasn't seen maybe the reps some of these other guys have. So, um, you know, I just wonder how much can you really – learn to be a great defender i mean that doesn't like you said that doesn't typically happen overnight it's kind of more natural than not but 
you know, I'm not going to write off the guy as a, a bad defensive player. He's he's still got time to get better, and I'm sure he's working on it, as is the coaching staff. But definitely a great point brought up by Wags. I'm sure something the coaching staff is discussing as well. All right, Skull Pirate says, uh, honestly, as much negativity as we had last year, and they, uh, I guess they had by turning it around, it's hard to criticize anything now. Skull, work on your uh, your English, buddy. You might be drinking a little too much already. Um, yeah, I don't think anybody – if anybody's being negative, I think it's it's they don't understand baseball. I mean, we're 10 games in. The team is 7-3, and three, and they haven't even come close to playing their best. So, like, you know, if they go out and lose to Queens tomorrow, then maybe maybe I can understand the, the criticism. But uh, I still – I love this team. I think this team is going to be very good and – Cliff Goblin teams, Scott, typically get better throughout the year. So, um, you know, just I, I think this team's going to be fine. Yeah, you know, I think we've said it for the entire time he's been here is the bats warm up with the weather. Um, and I think that'll that'll happen this year. Uh, if you look at our team, we haven't had a normal weekend yet. You know, our first weekend, we had the rain out on Friday. Our second weekend, we had a rain out on Saturday. And then this weekend, we played, you know, three teams over three days. So I think until we, you know, and that'll change this weekend with Liberty. So um, we'll see how that looks compared to, you know, the past three weekends. But, yeah, I, I think if you're stressing now, then maybe baseball isn't the kind of sport for you to watch. You know, we've won 70% of our games. And if you extrapolate that over 56, that's 39-something, you know, point-something wins. And if we win 39 games, we'll be in a pretty good position come uh, the postseason. Uh, it may, it may not be forty five and eleven, but it'll <laughs> it'll do. Until we have lost twelve, we still got a shot. That is true. Hey, they can rip off twenty in a row at any point. Uh, Chuck says, uh, "Will Zach Root eventually be the midweek starter, or will he be our top reliever?" I think the question with Zach Root is, "Will he be a weekend starter?" Um, and I, I go both ways on this, Scott, and. and I still think it's too early to say, hey, let's put him in the Sunday role. I kind of like where he is now, being able to pitch in the midweek and help out of the bullpen, like kind of like C.J. Mayhew. You know, he just he has, he's got no fear, and that's what I love about a freshman. Like when you can tell the guy doesn't give a crap about who's in the batter's box, who's in the stands. He's gone through outings where he doesn't have his best stuff, and unlike some of the guys who have pitched this year, he doesn't fall apart. He finds a way to get through that. So uh, – I kind of like him in the role he's in, and you know he definitely can be that guy. But we'll we'll see how the season unfolds. Just your thoughts there? Yeah, hundred percent. I think he's been really the most impressive guy of the bullpen so far this year. Um, and you know, one thing with that is how deep your Savage is going into games allows us to use Root more effectively. If you know your Savage can go six or seven innings, and it's close, then you bring in Root. If he goes six or seven innings and it's not close, then you have other guys that you can bring in that can, you know, get you to the end of the game. And then Root's there for you on Saturday. You know, when Spivey gives you five or six innings, then you can go to Root if it's close. And if it's not, then same thing on Sunday. If Gross can give you, you know, five innings like he did this weekend, you go to Root and then you shut him down no matter what. So, you know, I think the pitching staff, now that we're seeing them stretch out a little bit more, is is looking really, really dominant. Um, one thing they talked about on the D1 podcast last weekend was some teams are only set up to win 
series. They're not set up to sweep. But I think that our team and our pitching staff is set up to be able to sweep opponents um, in a way that I don't remember seeing here before. Yeah, I love this uh, this rotation of staff as it is now. Uh, Skull Pirate, he's got a couple of uh, comments. One I just have to read because I think it's hilarious. He says, let's get Carter Spivey back to the bullpen. He's too busy commenting on his girlfriend's Instagram to be a starter. I mean, why, why can't he comment on his girlfriend's Instagram? Should he be oh. commenting on other girls' Instagrams? Yeah, as long as he's not commenting on every girl that goes to ECU's Instagram. Like, and first off, why are you following his girlfriend's Instagram page to figure out if he's commenting on uh, you got You got something to tell us, Skull Pirate? Um, yeah, I mean, get out of here, man. Uh, he also asked who should be our third starter. Right now, there are three starters. Uh, you know, I do think the Spivey thing is, is worth talking about long-term because – not that he can't be a starter. He still hasn't – I don't know if he's 100% yet. He, he still didn't look crisp in uh, the Long Beach State game. Something I would like to see more of from Carter Spivey, and this may be a field thing, command thing, but, you know, in, in last year he was able to pitch mainly off the fastball cutter. But I thought we saw more sliders last year too. This year it seems like we're not seeing a ton of sliders, so everything is like 89 to 92, and there's not much velocity separation there. So he'll get ahead of guys, and then he maybe can't finish them or get them to swing and miss a lot early on. Um, Maybe a few more sliders in there in the low 80s creates that separation to produce more swing and misses. Um, So who knows? Maybe the, the command hasn't been there for that pitch early on, but I think once he starts executing that pitch better, he'll be able to get some more swings and misses. He already pitches the contact and fills up the zone at a good rate, so I think that's the next step for him this season. But um, I'm fine with sticking with the rotation as it is now. As We didn't really talk about it much earlier, Scott, but Gross was uh, – he was awesome Sunday, and that was great to see. Yeah, he definitely was. Um, you know, going back to Spivey for a second, is there's no reason that he shouldn't have been – in line for a win during that game. I mean, there were several outs that that should have been there, a lot of soft-hit balls that are typically made. And so he threw four and a third over 60 pitches. So I think they're still trying to stretch him out, um, and he's not completely as comfortable as maybe the other two are with going to 100 pitches. He only threw 60 pitches. Like, I mean, come on. Um, and then Groves just had an absolute um, – you know, phenomenal day. Um, you just nobody could hit him. I mean, ten strikeouts, no hits. Uh, he did have four walks, and then on some of the strikeouts, kind of you know getting those three two counts. But he's so good at missing bats that you know it's it's hard to sometimes you know it's just hard to not run your pitch count up when you're just striking everyone out. So you know, great day by him. I, you know, I would I would love to see him maybe only walk, you know, one or two over five innings instead of four. Um, but we're not going to um, pick nits on a on a five inning Sunday with no hits. Yeah, Jack Dover adds having Spivey in the closer role would be pretty scary. And it definitely would. It's just can somebody step up and give you that four to five or six innings in the starter role? Maybe that guy's root, but then you're taking root out of the bullpen. So. You know, like Cliff Goblin said, you still need a few more arms to develop. Uh, and, and I think, you know, 10 games into a college baseball season, not many teams in America are five to six trustworthy guys deep in the bullpen. Um, 
Skull Park says he does follow Spivey. So I guess he is a uh, big Carter Spivey social media fan. Uh, he also asked, what position did Scott play in high school? How about I go? Uh, I played shortstop second base throughout my entire career growing up, um, along with some third base. How about you, Scott? Played right field. A um, little bit like Nowak out there um, sometimes. but um, <laughs> Could you hit like Nowak? Not at all. I think I've had it like 170 in high school. Um, and, uh, yeah, we were – South Bramble High School was a, it was a really good baseball team. So I was on the team, um, and I played some, but – not a ton. We were we were really good. So mostly right field. Played a little bit of third base. Played second growing up a lot. Um, you know the arm wasn't always the best, but kind of played all over the field. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential, and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The farmer's dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. We talked about the bullpen earlier. Chandler Honeycutt from Pirate Radio. Chandler, appreciate you listening. I know you're a big fan of the uh, the podcast. Uh, he says, who has looked the most impressive out of the bullpen in you guys' opinion? Tyler Brott, Willie Lumpkin, Zach Root have looked good to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I think all three of those guys have been good. Um, it's hard not to pick one of those three. I, I feel like Zach Root has to be the answer. Um, and and you may say Root as well. So uh, I'll tell you what, you go first, Scott, and I'll, I'll come up with a different answer. Well, there's only one person on our team with a whip under one, and his name is Zach Root. So, yeah, I definitely have to go with him. Um, now, on the same side of that, he was he was hyped up, and we knew he was going to be a really good player when he got here. I don't know the same could be said about Brock, and he's really brought it as well. Nice pun. Nice pun. Um, Tyler uh, – or uh, not Tyler, Brock. Brock has looked good, but Willie Lumpkin to me has kind of been the – like I, I knew he'd pitch some, but I didn't think he'd maybe play this big of a role. He got out of a big jam in Sunday's game that didn't, that was in a crucial spot that maybe everybody overlooked. Um, great against right-handers with that slider, so I think he's going to be a pivotal guy all year. I don't think he's going to typically go multiple innings, but matchup guys uh, as a right-hander, I think he's going to be really good. And, and I still am impressed with Eric Ritchie as well. 
I know he didn't pitch well over the weekend or at Duke, but I just like his stuff a lot. So um, I think he, uh, I think he's going to be a, a big left-handed arm as the season goes on. Um, all right, so we got a couple questions, Scott. People want to know if we're going to Queens tomorrow uh, or going to EC versus Queens tomorrow. I will not be there. I don't think you'll be there either, right? No, I would love to go to the home of Dale Earnhardt to watch ECU play, but um, fortunately I um, have to work, so I'll be here. Yeah, and, you know, Kannapolis and Elon are pretty far drives. I will not be going to either. Um, if ECU was on the road this weekend, I may think about it, but, you know, covering all these series at home, honestly, it'll be kind of nice to sit at home and listen to the radio. The game is not available for stream on Tuesday, from what I'm told. Wednesday is only Flow Baseball or Flow Sports, whatever the hell it's called, and I'm not paying $30 to watch an Elon baseball production. So I'll be listening to Scooter Rogers, um, and I'm looking forward to it. I like listening to baseball on the radio, Scott. I feel like it's it's the one sport that I can still – you know, get some stuff done around the house and listen to a baseball game on the radio and still figure out everything that's going on. Yeah, especially a four o'clock game, you know, like you can you can turn it on to end the workday, roll that into cooking dinner and, you know, just kind of listen to it while you're while you're, you know, like you said, doing something else. Now, I have said this for several years. ECU should not play road games at places that don't have um available um video or available TV coverage. Um, I, I've, I have been on that horse for probably five years now, or however long we've got to ESPN+. Plus. Um, you know, I, I do enjoy playing some of these schools, and I don't think we should schedule them, but I, I do think it's doing our fans um, a little dirty not to be able to get to watch their team play. And I know – I think Cliff's been asked about that before, and I think his answer was, like, I don't care. So, <laughs> you know, I'm sure he still does them. Yeah, at the end of the day, he, uh, I think he's going to be uh, – I think he's just trying to put together a schedule. Uh, Kevin Ainge says, according to the Queens University website, it shows ESPN Plus coverage. Is that true? Because if so, I was told as late as yesterday that it would not be on TV. So, uh, Scott's going to effort and look that up. But I'll say this. I, all right, expect the worst – <laughs> expect the worst if you're an ECU fan. Expect if expect no stream, and if there is a stream, expect it to be the Duke stream, which, by the way, is unacceptable for an ACC program in a minor league park. Uh, anyways, um, expect the worst. Hope for the best. If if not, then then uh, you listen to Scooter Rogers. Uh, McLean Anderson adds: Agreed on the TV coverage. Don't play road games with teams that can't provide better service so he's with you scott uh he also says flow sports isn't the worst but the cost is horrible yeah i mean i will say the productions that i've seen for flow sports is good and so but who wants to pay 30 bucks for one game which i think is what their monthly charge is um jonathan wagner adds shows up on plus for me skull says it will be shown all right so i apologize yeah okay so I got bad info, and I think on the ECU schedule it doesn't have ESPN Plus or didn't as of last night, so that's my fault. I should have double-checked. Um, 
E E one, I guess, if I'm the pitcher on this show. Um, all right, let's uh, let's. We got a bunch more questions. I'm trying to getting all out of sorts here. Uh, somebody says our predicted RPI is 11 with a 47 and nine record. I guess that is via Warren Nolan. So uh, that's even better than 45 and 11. Yeah, you know I underestimated this group. I think. Yeah. I actually saw that earlier, and I think it was 47 and nine, but we got swept by Wichita State. So <laughs> I can't. Can you imagine the meltdown after getting swept? Gosh. <laughs> And then winning like another like eighteen games out of like twenty to end the season or something like that. Yeah, that would require man only what? So that would require only three more losses the rest of the way to everybody yeah, else. It was we got swept by Wichita State. I think we got swept by NC State, and we also lost to Campbell one of the other two times we played them. Mm. Uh, something tells me it's not going to go down quite like that. Uh, all right, Bud's Collectibles says going to be interesting to see Wake Forest play Duke this weekend. Wake Forest might be the best team in North Carolina. I mean, talent-wise, they definitely are. If you talk to any scout, anybody in the business, they're loaded with talent. I'm just not sold on Wake Forest, man. Like, until they step up and actually win something, you know, they can have all the first-round picks in the world. But I'm a – I'm a, how do I say this? I don't know. Like, a proven track record – I got to see it with a program like the culture, obviously what ECU has established, but similar programs out there, you just know we're going to be there every single year. Wake Forest to me is not at that level yet. No matter how much talent they have, I got to see it on the field. I I, kind of hate Wake Forest and ECU don't play in baseball, but I would love to see a matchup in the postseason. Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah, I don't think they want to see a matchup in the postseason as much as maybe we do. Um, You put us in Winston-Salem if they had the season that maybe has been projected right now. I think they're actually at five and we're at 12. So we would be, you know, if we both win a regional, you know, and and everything plays out like that. But we would be paired up in the Supers. Um, Yeah, I think that would be pretty interesting. Um, And I do think we should maybe play more often. But it's the – was it Seth Greenberg at Virginia Tech that used to schedule so soft that he'd never make the NCAA tournament? Um, you know, that type of scheduling I don't think ever works out for the teams that do it. And there's a lot of teams, you know, that we've been around or played against that that have done it. And, you know, UCF for a long time would play a soft schedule early in the year and they would be, you know, 17-1 and one heading to conference play. Um, NC State is, you know, kind of the world's worst about it as well. Um, you know, if you look at them, they're undefeated, but they've played, I don't think anybody that could, you know, really beat them. Um, and Wake Forest has, has been the same. Now, I don't know how good Illinois will be this year. Um, they may be a, a top half of the Big Ten, but I don't think that, I mean, the Big South is better than the Big Ten in baseball. So, yeah, I mean, I think I'm really looking forward to seeing some of these teams that, that have played softer schedules and are undefeated play good opponents. Uh, NC State plays in Miami, I think, this weekend. Um, and Virginia plays an 8-1 and one Boston College team. They're, those two teams are both also undefeated. Um, and uh, Troy's undefeated. They play Florida Gulf Coast, um, who just took two or three from FSU. So we could, we could potentially end the week this week with no more undefeated teams. Um, and I actually probably think that 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 will be the case. 
Yeah, we're getting to the point in the season where you can't hide anymore. You can play, you know, like NC State every year plays the weakest non-conference schedule and then gets, you know, exposed a lot of seasons in conference play. And, and when they're on the bubble, that 283 non-conference strength of schedule ends up costing them. And, uh, you know, just speaking to last year, like last year they didn't get in for that very reason. So, uh, yeah, so we'll see, man. And maybe Wake Forest will be really good and they have the talent, but I just want to see them go out and win something before I rank them fifth. Uh, uh, Scott, oh, go ahead. And hopefully, you know, I'd love to see Duke win that series and, yeah. you know, you know, kind of take charge and be that you know, potentially sixth ranked team in the state um, because I think Duke has the ability to do that. Um, you know, I don't think that's going to be an easy series for Wake Forest at all. No. Uh, Skull Pirate says he'll be there tomorrow, so if you want to meet the legendary man himself, uh, attend the Pirate Club tailgate. I will be interested to see what the turnout is. I feel like there are a lot of ECU fans in that area, so should be a good turnout. Uh, Johnny Robertson says, can Justin Wilcoxon keep playing virtually every inning without some sort of drop-off due to fatigue? And you kind of hit on it earlier, Scott. Maybe he's We've already seen a drop-off, and it's unfair to Will Coxon. You know, we're 10 games in now, and he's caught maybe every inning but two or three. He's caught every pressure inning. And, you know, probably not sustainable, but, you know, when you have a freshman catcher who missed the ball behind him with McChrystal out, it's just I don't know what you can do uh, at this point in time. Yeah, um, what you can do is build a 10-run lead early in the game and get him off his feet. You know, that that's it. Um, I think we've definitely already seen the drop-off. You know, if you look at the first weekend and the second weekend, look, two different guys at the plate. And, you know, there's a ball at Duke that he probably catches if he's at the top of his game. And, you know, it's just a pop-up behind the plate, and he overruns it, it falls behind him. Um, you look at the game against Long Beach State, he caught a long game, you know, a game against – Indiana the night before, and then he has a pass ball and then another, and a wild pitch that I think he would probably, if you asked him, say that he should have blocked both. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you look at Queens. They're in their first year as a D1 school. That's a team that we should really handle. I would love to see him maybe actually not start that game and you just go with Delisi and, you know, you know, let him get some work and you rely on the other eight mainstays in the lineup to kind of pick up, you know, where you um, dropped off from Wilcoxon. Yeah, uh, we, uh, going off this, Paul McCray asks, uh, what is McChrystal's timeline? And we still don't know. It's He's getting some, like, pregame movement in, but with his back injury, and it, it sounds like it's kind of a deal where he, he still kind of has pain when he swings or when he torques that body. So it's almost like they're they're – giving him as much time off as possible, not trying to push it in hopes that it'll kind of heal and go away. And so on back deals are always just tough to predict. And uh, it's just something where I think it's going to be week to week until he really feels good until he lets it rip one time and, it, and he doesn't feel it. And I don't know when that's going to be. Um, Skull says I go didn't read my comments at all correctly. Uh, Skull, let me know what what comment I misread. Uh, Johnny Robertson adds, 
after 10 games last season, opponents were 19 of 21 in stolen base attempts. This season, after 10 games, they are 4 of 7. So, yeah, Will Coxon has been a beast throwing guys out. That's the one area he's stayed consistent in. So, um, yeah, I, I think for sure that defensively from a run control perspective, he's been awesome, Scott. Yeah, 100%. You know, looking at those numbers, it's not so much that it's 4 of 7 versus 19 of 21. It's the 7 and the 21 that are the big numbers for me. They're, they're not trying. Um, and that, you know, you we saw against Long Beach State, we couldn't try. You know, there was, there was innings where, you know, Noak was on first, um, and we didn't want to run him because of how good they, their catcher was. Um, so, yeah, you know, I think keeping guys on first is, is a big deal because it allows you to get double plays and it allows you to control the run game a lot more than um, if you can't throw anybody out. So, uh, you know, Wilcoxon, he's played so well this year to have to play every – Nearly every inning of every game, I think that, you know, it's it's such a hard position to do that. And I, I really want to see us be able to get him off his feet, um, you know, for at least nine of the 18 innings that we play over the next two days. All right. So uh, I made another error. Um, I'm like the Georgetown pitcher in the eighth inning <laughs> yesterday trying to field uh, bunts or slow ground balls. Uh, yeah, so I, re- I reread Skull's comment. He reiterates that he will not be at Queens. This is fake news by Igo. He will be at Charlotte for the UNC Charlotte game in a couple months. So, uh, so yeah. Um, you know, I think if if he was, meet him in Charlotte, I think he could take the day off and get out to Kannapolis. That's not that's not a far drive from Charlotte. So. You know, I think it's time for Skull Pirate to step it up and get out to Kannapolis. Yeah, Skull, I was told uh, by sources that there was a good chance you would be at this game. So I don't know what you're doing, man. <laughs> this should be your moment to shine. All right, we got some other questions, Scott, but we've put this off long enough. We've gone 51 minutes and we haven't talked about powder purple uniforms yet. Uh, it's our time. We've got plenty of questions. I'm going to pull up a picture in case you've been living under a rock. All day. Here are the new ECU baseball uniforms. There on your left is Lane Hoover. In the middle, Garrett Saylor and Carter Spivey. So your three fifth-year seniors. Rocking the powder purple uniforms. I know this is what everybody wants to talk about. So let's hear them. Let's hear comments. Uh, this has got to be the most divisive uniforms that ECU baseball for sure has ever put out. Like everybody either loves them or hates them. There doesn't seem to be much in between. Uh, Bud's collectible says, I like them. I like that we were trying different things. Uh, Steven Kuckendow says terrible. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, that, that's, that just kind of, uh, that just kind of speaks to, uh, Apparently they're wearing these tomorrow night. So if, if it is on ESPN Plus, I'm looking forward to seeing what they look like. Uh, Scott, you go with your thoughts. I'll share mine after that. Well, the first thing that jumps out to me about this picture is we got three different color belts on, and Spivey's belt looks like it has been through the washing machine like four times. Um, no, I love them. Uh, I guess if we uh, 
we can't get the gray uniforms right. We'll just wear these that look like they washed the gray uniforms with the purple ones on with hot water. Um, but no, I, I think it's really cool what we've done in athletics over the last two or three years now where we've really incorporated the script pirates into the uniform. Um, you know, we've done it in football. We've done a really good job in basketball of doing it. It's personally like one of my favorite things, one of my favorite logos that we have. And, um, you know, another big debate we have is the end zone. That's what I would have in the, our end zones is the script pirates. So if you put script pirates on anything, I'm going to love it. Um, and yeah, I love these as well. Uh, Skull Pirates says I'm boycotting uniforms until we get a camo Sunday helmet for batters. I don't think that's going to happen. Skull. Um, we can't even get the camo hats in on time. So yeah, we're yeah. a long ways away. Still waiting on those. Um, I uh, I still don't know really really know how I feel. So I was sent this like a, a week ago and I sent it to Scott and Jonathan. And I, I, did, I said then I, I don't know how I feel and I don't know how I feel now. I applaud ECU for trying something different. Um, I love the script. And I think I would like it a lot more if it was just the purple jersey. I think the pants are too much. I think it would look pretty sweet if it was the white pants and the purple jerseys. Like To me, it does kind of have a softball feel to it because you're going away from the traditional white and gray pants. Um, so I would like to see it maybe one time at home with the white pants and the white hat. I think that would go together a little bit better because the purple on the hat doesn't seem to to match the purple, the dark purple on the uniform. So, um, yeah, I just – I don't know. I mean, I don't hate them. I don't love them, but I am I am willing to withhold judgment until we get them in a game in person because maybe they it also feels like in this picture they look very glossy and i don't know how it's going to look on the field so um i feel like i'm analyzing this way too much scott but but i feel like that's all i mean this people love uniforms and look it, I, I think it, it's something new it's something cool um to a lot of people so the players seem to like them as long as they like them as long as they play well on them i'll tell you this if they lose to queens tomorrow they Burn should them. never, never be worn again. Burn them. <laughs> yeah, hundred uh, percent. Steven adds uh, should be in a men's beer league uh, uniform. Hopefully, Mike, we look like we're in a men's beer league tomorrow yeah. with our score. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to disagree with that. Um, Skull says should have just gone the real color purple. So I mean, yeah, even if these don't work out, I'm a big fan of the script. And ECU all of a sudden has like a million baseball uniforms. Somebody asked earlier about the pinstripes. You know, are those are those done with? Are those coming back? I don't know. We haven't seen we haven't seen ECU have a home game this year midweek, and that's when they usually wear the pinstripes. So, um, but yeah, we got we got this the powder purple. We got the traditional whites. We got the purple tops. We got the gold tops. We got the black tops. We got the pinstripes. So that's I think that's six six uniform and the Leclerc alternates seven uniform combinations. If I'm doing math correct, that's that's insane, man. And we don't wear the pinstripes nearly enough. Yeah, 
that should be like our home. Like that, they should have a day on the weekend that is the pinstripe uniform. Like I, I fully believe. Also, we played two teams that wore pinstripes this weekend, and that's all I could think about the whole time. Um, Indiana and uh, Long Beach both had pinstripes. So yeah, I mean, the pinstripes are our best uniform. They are the cleanest things we've ever had. I like these two. Um, I hate the gray pants with the black jersey. I feel like we look like a little league team when we wear those. Um, and I don't honestly, I don't really like gray baseball pants anyway. I'm very much more a, a white pant fan over, I guess, the grays. I don't know. You can be a fan of pants, but um, yeah, I think these look good. I, I think the hat is what, like, the hat to me isn't great with those uniforms because it's such a different purple. Um, you know, I like the hat in general. Um, I kind of wish we would have like more of a throwback hat to go with it. Um, you know, maybe like the interlocking EC logo or um, just a saber on it or something like that. But um, yeah, I, I feel like that the hat being white and then the dark purple doesn't really fit with the uniform as much as maybe a different hat could have or maybe even like if it was all purple maybe but yeah yeah and i think too the white if if they went with the white pants with the white front bill hat i think it would go together pretty well yeah but, it definitely would look a lot better all right we're analyzing the crap out of this so if you want to add any more analyzation to our uniform talk feel free to do so in the comments section we got a few more comments earlier to get to um somebody asked let's see here how do you feel about moving alec makarevich to shortstop and allowing one of these young power hitters in the lineup at third to add some right-handed pop well if you if you did this um you would, the only third baseman that could add right-handed pop would be cam burgess i want to see dixon williams not because i'm a fellow dh conley guy but I do think he can help this team, but he bats lefties. So, you know, Burgess is more of a DH than a corner infielder right now, although he can he can play third. I just – I think if you move AMAC, you're moving him to, to a corner outfield spot. Yeah, I don't I – don't, I think if you move AMAC to shortstop, you, you're worse defensively at two positions. Um I think the three guys that we played at shortstop this year are all really good um, defensively. Um, and, well, I don't know that we've seen Rasmussen enough to, to say that, but the other two have done a great job defensively. Um, and I think that's the thing is you don't want to make yourself worse by making a change. Um, if you have someone who's really good at position, don't make yourself average at that position. And another one uh, I think is, is a good philosophy um, and, any sport, but um, yeah, I could see Amac moving to right because he would take us from right now defensively bad to good. Um, and then if you have Dixon at third, I you know I haven't seen him enough defensively to make a determination of whether he would be good or not. But I have confidence that he can perform over there. Yeah, I think just from what I've seen briefly in scrimmages, I do think. Um, I do think Dixon could be a very solid third baseman, although he may not be at Amax level quite yet. Uh, ECU fan, by the way, he, just to address this quickly, he says, why did Aiden Edwards leave last year? 
Uh, he was a backup catcher. He actually started, I believe, that NC State game that uh, I attended as a non-working media member that they lost, and he just couldn't he couldn't catch the ball. Like I remember that was it was during that run last year where like every catcher struggled catching. They tried Aiden Edwards, it didn't work, and then like two weeks later he was off the team. I don't know what happened, um, but I, I you know seemed to be kind of a a mutual parting there. I don't know so. Um, but I'm certainly, for, uh, it would help Wagner. to have a catcher I'm now. For, I'm so waiting I, for Wagner to pop up and talk about Joey Resnick. Uh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if Wagner were here, he would say it would be nice to have Joey Resnick right now. Uh, instead, he's probably asleep because his Wi-Fi is, is not working. And what else can you do at 10 o'clock when your Wi-Fi is not working? Uh, maybe he's reading in bed. I don't know. Uh, why do you think uh, – uh, we never see Jacob Starling as a leadoff. He basically is Norby 2.0. Norby was the leadoff. Curious thought here. Uh, we talked about this a little last week, Scott, that uh, he's a right-handed hitter, and if you bat him first, then you have eight lefties behind him. I guess technically there would be eight lefties behind him no matter what, but starting him first makes it that way right away. Yeah, and right now, um, Noak – gives you that leadoff guy that can get on base too. Um, I do agree. I, I think that Star would be a, a phenomenal leadoff hitter. Um, and I think he is Connor Norby 2.0. Um, you know, he's he can take you deep. He can hit doubles in the gap. And he can just hit line drives through the infield and he can walk. Like he, he sees the plate really, really well. So I wouldn't be offended by um, Star at, at leadoff. But for right now, you know, that's – probably not going to work out for us all right a few more uh things one last question and then we'll we'll briefly give our uh thoughts on the week ahead for getting out of here um jonathan by the way is not asleep he is uh he is he says sleep is for the week and he probably just fell asleep so uh <laughs> sorry jonathan uh drew says if spivey goes to a midweek starter who could fill the weekend rotation is this a possibility i, I think Spivey won't be a midweek starter. He'll probably be a bullpen guy. Um, if this happens, we touched on earlier, probably Root would be a candidate. Um, you know, we haven't seen Charlie Hodges since he started. We know Jake Hunter is a possibility. He'll start Wednesday. So I think it's just too early to say or to make that move. Yeah, and, and what really is a midweek starter in, in a Cliff Goblin baseball team, right? It's the guy that gives you three innings. I mean – I don't remember the last time we had a guy in midweek that went five or six. That was like a true, I'm going to start this game with the intent of going as deep as I can. Um, it's mostly just I have a 50-pitch pinch count, and I'm going to get as many outs as I can before I have to come out of this game. And we saw that last week with Root. Um, we'll probably see it this week with Sailor, and uh, maybe not with Jake Hunter. Maybe we'll let him go um, a little bit deeper, and I hope that we do. But um, – Spivey's value is on the weekend, and the game is on the weekend. Despite this past week where we dropped down for going two and two, still matter infinitely more when you get to the host conversation. All right, we got our weekly Jake Hunter question, so we'll talk about uh, – I say weekly, and it's really a daily question. <laughs> it's every 10 minutes. Uh, all right, we'll talk about him since he is starting this week, Skull Pirate. Uh, all right, so the week ahead, let's take a look at it, Scott. The Pirates will take on Queens University. 
I know a lot about college athletics. I can't tell you a single thing about Queens athletics other than they just moved from D2 to D1. Uh, this game will take place in Kannapolis. It is technically a neutral site game. And and then ECU will travel to Elon. They'll stay on the road to spring bake, break, and they'll play Elon in a true road game Wednesday. They come back home and face Liberty in a three-game series Friday through Sunday. So another weekend inside Clark Clare Stadium. So a five-game week, a rare five-game week. Before we make our prediction, just any thoughts on Garrett Saylor getting a start on Tuesday against Queens. If you would have told me this in the preseason, I would have told you you're crazy. Yeah, I think it's, it'll be interesting to see what changes were made um, with him and Coach Knight. Is he, you know, does he have a new grip or which, you know, would probably be impossible to tell on TV feed. But, you know, um, what, what changes are made and how does he look? Um, there were times last year, early in the year, that his flat, uh, fastball was just as flat as can be. And it doesn't matter how hard you throw, if you pitch flat, it's going to get hit as long as the people on the other side of the plate are fully functional baseball players. Um, so does he have that sink that we came to expect out of him in the back half of last season? Um, that's what I'll be looking for early in the game tomorrow. Um, and then Wednesday, same thing with Jay Hunter is can he get outs and can he get through, you know, four or five innings? Yeah, I thought Jake Hunter looked great at Duke. He was one of the few pitchers who threw strikes. And uh, what do you know when you throw strikes? It is a lot harder to score runs. All right. Uh, Skull Pirate says, my take, Garrett was going to get a good amount of innings this weekend. Tomorrow is a typical bullpen day, so might as well put him out there for two to three innings. Uh, yeah, good chance to build his confidence. Congrats, Skull, on a solid comment. Uh, he also says, Queens has a phenomenal culinary program. Like, can't speak to that, but that's that's cool. All right, let's make our prediction, Scott. Um, Bud's Collectibles adds, I, I know Garrett Horn for Liberty looks like a legit ace. Yeah, they can pitch, and they're always a regional team, so it won't be an easy three-game series. Five-game week. It's hard to sweep five-game weeks. Just uh, any thoughts on a prediction as we head into this week? Yeah, I have us at four and one um, in my – notebook over here where I wrote down what I thought we would go every week. Um, so I just have to look and make sure I'm on the right week. But um, I, I think five game weeks are, are really, really tough. Um, Florida had one last week and they went three and two. And I think Florida is one of the best teams in the country. Um, so yeah, four and one, you know, maybe it's the Friday game versus Liberty or, um, you know, Elon can be a tough place to play sometimes. Um, and you're playing your second midweek game and you're trying not to use up too much pitching for the weekend. So, yeah, 4-1. and one. I feel good with 4-1 and one as well. I think they take both midweek games and then um, take two, two out of three this weekend. So, it'll be tough to sweep Liberty. They're a really good team. It'll be tough to win both midweek games. So, 3-2 and two is certainly a possibility. Uh, you got to beat Queens. I mean, uh, I shouldn't even have to say that. Um, it's got to be a W. Elon's a tricky game, but the Pirates should, if they play their game, should be able to win that game unless Elon's saving their ace like everybody else is. So, uh, And then Liberty should be a great series inside Clark LeClaire Stadium against two potential regional teams. Liberty not off to the best start, but a really good, really good baseball team. And Jonathan Wagner adds three and two. Wow. So Wags is trying to be the motivator this week instead of myself. 
Uh, I don't That's think anybody anybody no. called for two and two last week, right? No, I think I had us at four and so shout out to me for that. Yeah, forty five and eleven. You still feel good? Yeah, no doubt. All right, that'll do it for the Hoisty Colors podcast and for the live stream. Again, appreciate you guys for tuning in. Awesome interaction all night long. Um, every time Skull Pirate is here, we just it gets ramped up to another level. But everybody in the comments section, appreciate you guys. We want to continue to make this as interactive as possible. Hopefully we get Wags back next week, but at least he did participate in the chat. Um should be plenty to talk about. As always, we'll have coverage on hoistthecolors.net. Tip to anybody listening to this podcast, we will be running a subscription special for spring football practice next week. It starts Tuesday, March 14th. You can get a special discount if you've been on the uh, if you've been on the fence about subscribing. This is your time. You're going to have spring football practice, baseball coverage, basketball. Offseason is going to be crazy. Portal hits up next week. So I promise you, we do a lot of great work on the podcast, but we do some awesome work uh, behind our VIP stuff as well. So uh, come join us on Hoist the Colors. Scott, it's been real, man. Thanks for uh, for taking the time, as always. Uh, we got to get you on the football podcast, somebody says. So we'll make that happen soon enough. Run the damn ball. <laughs> run the damn ball scott says all right <laughs> we'll uh we'll talk to you guys next monday night on the baseball podcast who knows maybe it'll be a five and a week but until then we'll see you guys next time okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can conquer it I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.